0: Welcome to Analog Modern Radio. My name is Nathan Queso. Today on the podcast, we're chatting with Paul Atkins. Paul and his wife Kate are the owners of Atkins Lab in Adelaide. It's Australia's oldest photo lab. The business was started by Paul's grandfather in 1936. It's still running today. Has a wealth of knowledge across all facets of photography, and also shares some of my slightly nostalgic views on the importance of family photos. Paul Atkins, welcome to
1: the podcast. Thank you, Mr. Queso. It's lovely to be on a podcast again, especially one with you, who happens to be, what is this your, how many episodes are you in? This is episode number one. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: It's the first one. You'll be the first cab off the rank.
1: Thank you so much, Nathan. That's very good. I'm very honored. Diving straight
0: in, each week we're going to talk about a different topic, and what I want to kind of discuss with you is digital cameras and the death of the family photo album before we had digital cameras the only way to see your photos was to go to the lab or the chemist or wherever you took them get your film developed get your pack of six by fours you couldn't see the photos without making something out of them and then those prints needed a home and now with digital cameras you don't need to do that so you can see them anytime you like they're on your phone they're in your camera And we're not limited by the expense. Film made each photo a little bit precious. You didn't want to take too many because you were having to pay for it.
1: You know, when you first said that statement, you're not limited... By the cost of taking a picture, I think that's, to paraphrase your terms, it sounds like a positive when it first comes out your mouth, doesn't it? Like you can do this for free.
0: Exactly. And it would have seemed that way when these cameras came out. And we think about digital cameras, it's like they make everything easier in theory. You can just keep taking pictures. You can check that you've got your picture in photo. You can check all these things. And there are huge benefits. You know, now everyone's just got a phone with... 60,000 photos on it that probably aren't backed up anywhere. Yeah, Those photos don't have a home and what happens to those beyond the life of that phone or the life of that yeah. person?
1: The life of the phone's a really good one. I mean, I don't know how bad it is now, but it used to be you know the drop the phone in the toilet thing i mean i had a close friend whose father died and he did all his photography with his ipad as old people can tend to do it's a great look isn't it large format photography yeah they, they need the big screen yeah they love the big screen trying to get the photos sorted for the funeral he just deleted them all he he did some sort of a thing in trying to back them up or get them to the cloud or thought he had them on the cloud and they just went and like we're talking three days before the funeral for his father and this guy at the time was in his early 40s mid 40s so it's way too young to be losing your dad and that's where he was and he called me up so what do i do and you know what can you do but i feel it's a little better now that you know you get your cloud subscription whether it be google photos or apple photos and you pay a bit more and you know they go there i think maybe that's not quite the problem i think You alluded to the problem of thousands of photos and, you know, you've got them all and we'll take lots of photos. I mean, I probably have 20, 30,000 photos. I don't know how easy it is to find the ones I really care about.
0: Yeah, well, that's it. It's It's about volume. You know, we're not limited by price of producing a photograph and we're not limited by storage. You know, even probably in the early days with digital, you probably only had a small memory card and you couldn't fill it up that quickly and you'd have to put them on your computer. And now it's, I mean, how many photos can fit on a phone?
1: Well, it's unlimited because you've got that little feature where you only keep the previews on your phone.
0: Yeah, exactly. So then (laughs) they go into the cloud and then you literally have unlimited storage. Also the, the quality gets lost in there because, you know, I'm sure if we logged onto someone's Photo Cloud, and they 've got sixty thousand photos there's probably some incredible photos on there, and that's mixed in with accidental screenshots and you know my kids <laughs> Would take, I park my car Mike, yeah, my kids take my phone and just my daughter loves just holding the button down and hearing the burst mode sound effect you know and just till the till the memory fills up like yeah. so it's yeah. how like how are people going to access these photos yeah i
1: I've got a lot of hope um that the robots will sort it out for us in that they'll look at. Face recognition, location, photos you've shared... Photos are similar to the ones that you shared, photos you've liked, photos that are similar to the ones you've liked, photos of contacts that you send a lot of things to, we have a lot of interaction with, and it will raise those photos out of the mire and present them to you. And I mean, you see it now with Apple Photos, you go to your home screen and there's another photo appearing as your photo of the day kind of thing. It's getting better at picking those things. So I've got the hope that the robots will sort it out for us in some way, but I think the robots, they can tell a nice photo, they can tell when you're smiling, but they can't Tell when that's the only photo your grandmother has got when she's not got this weird scowl on her face. Yeah. You know, it, it's not that subtle stuff that gets missed or the photo that you remember or you can smell what was going on at that time you know you could smell the sea air when you look at the photo because that memory is so imprinted it doesn't give you that and that's that's what's missing whereas if you had a photo album or you got your prints back from the lab which i must say as a lab it was very good business for you to have the joy of photography you had to give me money you had to buy film you had to shoot it and you had to bring it back to develop it. and then i got to watch you have that orgasmic moment of looking through those photos you know of that oh my god look at that i forgot i had that on my camera and all that were the halcyon days and I think we did really really well and it was very good business for the world and that just went away super quickly but those moments are still there it's just this problem whereas when, when we had those piles of prints in the lab most people didn't chuck the prints away they put them in a box and they put the best ones and they stuck them in an album and if they were really clever they got a pencil out and they or a pen and they wrote underneath them aunt harriet's birthday and maybe by looking at the ones and where they put them on the page you get a feel for what's the important photos what's the thing you want to know about a photo who's in it when was it taken why did you take it what was the date you know basic metadata is you know really what we want and the phones are giving us a lot of that stuff but as you said it's getting buried amongst so much stuff i think the only thing if anyone asks me how do you get around this problem is to learn how to use the love heart button on your iPhone and whatever Google has on theirs and just like the things that you like.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. The bots that are doing it, you're just missing that human element. I get the same thing. It pops up. And I put all my photos on Google Photos, all my film scans. It just makes these funny little albums for me. It popped up with one of my mum and my daughter. And just pictures them together, just like ten photos from you know the last five years. I was like, oh, it's so beautiful. I just you know wouldn't even think to do something like that. It's just doing it based on face recognition. But that's a curated gallery of my photos that I'm happy with. That's almost my photo album.
1: You used the C word just then, which I think is the word of the decade or the century. I really think. I mean, curation in everything in life. You know, what you choose to re- watch on television, what you choose to do on your iDevice, your Google smartphone, or your laptop you know that curation of things so that you're getting what you want and you're getting the best experience out of it is a super important thing and not everybody did well with their photo albums back in the day a lot of people shot rubbish i mean the more money they had the more rubbish they generally buried themselves under that was always a problem you know in in those mid days and 35 mil days. I think 120 days before that when you had box brownies in that and photography really was a rare expensive thing. Yeah. I think that really slowed people down but you gave them 35 mil and chemists printing. Yeah. And the, the rubbish. I remember Kodak advertising in the 80s, their paper prints or something was like, will last seven years. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the advertising Great. happily admits they've got a seven year life on the prints. Yeah. Now, funny enough, a lot of those prints have done much better than seven years and now they talk about you know, 50, 100, 200 years and all that stuff. They've realised that um, they've got to spin it a bit differently than that. But that was just so much cruft that we got given in their drive-through photomarts in... US. Uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, it's one of those things that we've always had as a problem. I think it's a, certainly a problem from the 2000s. Was that when we started getting digital cameras? 2000?
0: I feel like it was 2006 apparently was the biggest year for film sales. All right. It was Kodak, Kodak's biggest year for film sales and then the next year it fell off a cliff.
1: So that would have been amateur, yeah. So professional, 2000 Olympics was the last film event for the press. Yeah. So that that Sydney Olympics, when they they had Refrema make or well, their special model called Olympics machines, and there were I think 20 rolls of film wide. Yep. So 20, 20 rolls of film hanging, dip and dunked in each tank. And so I think it was really a capacity of maybe 400 films an hour could go through it. That was the last time film was for professionals. So you reckon 2006 was the big year?
0: Might have been 2003 then. Yeah, it was It was one of the years around then. I just remember being surprised when I, when I found out the year that it was. Because I would have thought it would have been a bit more of a slow decline, but up until then, film sales like they just kept going up. And apparently, Kodak they were just barely keeping up with demand for their for their Isn't that incredible? entire time the business existed. There was just so much demand they barely kept up with it, and then all of a sudden, it just stopped like overnight.
1: I don't I don't actually blame them. I know there's there's a whole lot of debates about you know they invented digital, which they did, and why couldn't they save themselves? I mean, when you've got When you tell a story like you just said then that they couldn't keep up demand, it's all about heavy metals, about silver. And if you're processing silver and turning into things and then all that kind of stuff, you know, leaving that bite be whilst you're just making all that money. And they weren't greedy. I will argue that they weren't a greedy company because what they gave to the employees – Was incredible. The golden handshakes that the average Kodak employee got was incredible. Those that took the package and left, they basically went out with wheelbarrows. Every single one of them. And the reason why they went bankrupt in America, they have a special kind of bankruptcy which is like a pause button. And I think Chapter Eleven, they call it, where they you're not actually dead in the water, but they say all debt for let's negotiate the time. It might be a year or two years or something while we work out what to do. The reason why they had to do that is because the amount of money they owed in their pension plans to their employees, not because they hadn't put it aside, but because the plans were so generous. They were incredibly generous. So, yes, they're a corporation and probably could be argued, yep, they were a greedy corporation, but in some ways, but they were very generous to their employees and had really good conditions. It was just a, a massive machine that really came to a screeching halt when it did. And they They've never really properly recovered. Although they're still making motion picture film, they're still making the film that you and I shoot.
0: Yeah, hopefully they'll keep doing
1: it. They still coat the paper that we print on. Yeah, I know. I hope they do. Because what what they're actually doing, they've minimized their contact. They have the coating lines that make the light-sensitive material. And it's about the size of a shipping container on these jigs big giant master roles. And they send those roles to another company to get chopped up. So whether it be film or paper, those, that company chop, chops it up and packages it and then distributes it to the world. But it's still Eastman that are doing all of that other stuff, as far as I understand. So they're still in their business, doing what they're doing. And somehow they keep the motion picture industry interested. And yeah. They have people like Tarantino. I wonder if there's people younger than Tarantino that are still pushing that bandwagon. I reckon
0: there would be. Wes Anderson, his latest film is shot on Kodak. And even things like, uh, there's a, a Great series on Netflix called Master of None, which mm. is uh, Aziz Ansari. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, he, he had a bit of a hiatus. He came back and he made season three, and the whole thing's shot on sixteen millimeter. Really? And it's all single take. Each scene is a single take. Wow. And just a wide shot.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no. I watched that. I mean, I'm curious because I'm always got my ear open for. Oh, they're still shooting that on film, and I suppose I'm preaching to the choir in some ways by talking about it. But the last big push that I'd heard was James Bond Spectre was shot on film, and that was before that was 2019 or something or 2018 I remember seeing that at the cinemas and going seeing you know so dark that opening sequence Mm. and seeing the film grain and the underexposure you know I was almost doing that ridiculous air punching you know you go yeah Yeah. (laughs) You you could see the grain they're really doing this it's awesome and I mean the movie was great and it was gritty like they wanted it to be but I don't know what's happened since I have got no track of it I know there's a few websites that follow those sorts of things along.
0: There's a good account Kodak run on Instagram called Kodak shoot film which is their motion picture film account with the Cannes film festival recently happening they've been doing some posts around the the films that have won awards and that have been shot on kodak
1: i remember speaking to scott hicks who did snow falling on cedars and um, shine and pretty impressive um, australian filmmaker and i said to him why would you shoot film and he's not in the league that he can really dictate it anymore because he's Gone off making smaller stuff, and it's not that different as to why Nathan queso would shoot film at a wedding. It's the fact that you've got this unique um, relationship with. For Scott, it was the director of photography who often had the camera in Scott's world, the cameraman. If it if he didn't have a DOP on the camera, the gaffer you know wrangling the bits and pieces and he the director and they could go and do whatever they want whereas when they're shooting digital they had this huge cable out the back of the camera into a tent
0: yeah the video village and that
1: tent was full of marketing people saying hey you can't read the coke bottle turn it around a bit more and all that kind of stuff
0: yeah i listened to the roger deakins podcast and he says the same thing that he prefers digital for the the convenience now and he says the quality is just as good or better um in terms of what you can get out of the the picture and he's a real purist for the picture he's not certainly not quite as romantic about film grain and, and things like that but yeah he said he does miss that just you know looking through a an optical viewfinder and not having a million people around him knowing what he's doing and just being left alone to do his work yeah, yeah. i think there's something to be said for that and i think the same thing when i'm looking through my camera i'm, I'm looking at the light but i'm not looking at the exposure you know and you're just trusting that the film's going to perform the way that it always does
1: and, and you know it does doesn't it well, that's the thing it's not reacting to the scene, it's rea- you set it yeah. for the scene. So you can have auto exposure on, which will cause your light meter in your camera, TATL metering to react to the scene. But essentially you don't manually meter because you've got the latitude and you let it go.
0: But it's interesting, like just talking about your business, because I imagine you would you would have seen a big shift. You guys now mostly sort of service professionals yes. with the products you make. Um, and the services you offer, but were you more? Guess, focused on retail. Back when film was consumer
1: product, I've always felt that Adelaide's not big enough to just look after the professionals, or maybe it's maybe you know maybe there's a bit of ego in that that I always like people to be able to come and use us and see us and be able to help them. And that I've always liked having people who are not professionals as well as professionals in the door. Because we've definitely changed that. We've definitely focused more on professionals. When you're employing people, you've got a responsibility to make the whole thing work. I said 2000 was the last time film was a big thing professionally. And I I would suggest that from probably the late 1990s, We were on a massive slide from 50 staff in three locations down to maybe seven or eight staff in the late 2000s. It really crashed and burned for us. People didn't need us to get the joy of photography. Professional photographers felt that as well. Basically, I think it was the Fuji Frontier Mini Lab was one of the big ones where a person could get a fairly good SLR camera and shoot a fairly good film Um, like Gold 400, Kodak Gold 400, take it to a mini lab, get some prints out of it, and the prints are actually pretty darn good, that professionals were scrambling. Professionals went away from medium format to 35mm because they felt the pressure to provide volume and work cheaper. And I think in that departure from it, they started to suffer. And I suppose we may have lost out to competition. It's a little hard to wrap your head around that that sort of history. We really suffered from it. And so what we tried to do was – find our way forward and one of that was looking and being open to everybody and so we spent a lot of time following the amateur market but we always did a bit of processing in that for the keen enthusiast people you're surprised that are mad about photography there was a senator meg lees who was uh the head of the democrats she was a mad bird photographer and always liked to take pictures but she didn't want to go just anywhere to it processed then there was people as i mentioned scott hicks who while he was a f- shooting uh, as a motion picture film person his uh library of concert photographs, you know, early David Bowie stuff and very personal stuff of Bowie and Mick Jagger and, you know, all the Matt Parties together and all this sort of stuff. He he wanted to go somewhere different. So whilst they weren't professionals, they were enthusiastic amateurs that we always got to. So we, we did have that contact with the general public, but we're always too expensive for, for the average bear. As times progress now, I'm getting a lot of pressure to really slow down the amount that we could accept as far as retail comes in the front shop, because it is very distracting because someone like Nathan Caster knows exactly what they want when they come to us and they know the language and all that. But you get Auntie Joan in the door and because no one else will help her because every question she has is too hard. Have a guess, it's still too hard for us, but we're here and we're the professionals. We're meant to be able to look after it. So we get that auntie jones sent to us from all the other mini labs that think they can't cope with it so yeah we're, we're in a really odd spot and if i think if it was up to my wonderful wife kate who at any moment could walk in on us and start yelling at both of us and, uh, in the most loving way she would boot the retail clients out because she just thinks it's too hard whereas i have this real love of introducing people to photography and seeing them go up that that ladder to getting better and better yeah and The amount of people I've seen walk in not knowing what to do, and I'm not responsible for them in any way, but I've just not put up a barrier to them and helped them if they've asked questions. I've seen them come out and, you know, being represented in the National Portrait Gallery or, you know, having exhibitions showing the work at the Venice Biennale and photography is loaded with gatekeepers as much as any other industry and unless you've done all the right things you shouldn't be where you're meant to be um whatever that means it shouldn't mm. shouldn't get shouldn't make it you know yeah. and there are so many people with just raw talent that don't need anyone's gatekeeping if you leave them alone they produce absolute magic that's been a real joy for us is seeing those people and helping them and not being judgmental and sort of guiding them so for me that's what I love about the amateur and frankly the Aunt Jones, that walk in, if they love photography and they love the curatorial side of photography, they're asking themselves, why did I take that picture? why is it important to me and it's I want to it's so important I want to do something really special with it they're the people that I want to know about I don't want a professional photographer who just wants to blast and make money out of their business they can go to somewhere else some soulless lab and work with it's not fun that's not what we're in it for so we redefined ourselves maybe six eight years ago that we wanted to be around for pictures that matter and it was a really tagline it's sort of a jingoistic tagline that businesses get asked to do you know you look at your why and try and work it out when we looked at it really and you'll know this Nathan you're not getting rich from being a photographer but you love being a part of this you know this memory world this weird space that's not real life but it really influences life enormously that is photography and so we wanted to be to find ourselves as part of that, less about just being there for wedding photographers or just being there for, for contemporary art. But you know what happens is you've got a business, you've got to pay the bills, you get more staff, and you, you have to focus and you have to say goodbye to some of that old stuff to feed that. And now we found our our direction, it's even easier to sort of start looking at that stuff and go, oh, we've got to be a bit careful that we don't spend too much time on those things. Otherwise, we we jeopardize the business. Yeah. Anyway, that was a long answer. What was your question?
0: I have no idea, but it was great. It's a great <laughs> answer. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember um, when I was at the lab earlier this year. I think it might be Kate made a really good point about trying to make products that are heirlooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think we're talking about prints, like giving giving someone a loose print, giving someone a job. It's like here's a print, but now you've got to go out and find a frame that that's going to fit in. But you give someone a beautiful framed print that's ready for their wall that's, you know, made with really high quality and care and you're giving them something that they can keep forever?
1: That's the thing because uh, I think our decisions to be in this business are very similar to yours and they're based around us discovering things that were recorded in photography years ago by people we sort of knew but we cared about and we didn't realise they had a life before us, you know, our grandparents, our parents. And now we're looking at the age we're at and we're reflecting at them at their age and we're seeing photographs that were given to us of this stuff. So that stuff they gave us naturally lasted. And I have this deep-seated fear, and we talked about this at the opening of the podcast, that we won't find the important stuff in the cloud or in these masses of digital memories because they're just not seen as it's not no one's giving it the time to sort out whereas the stuff that inspired us to get into photography was stuff that had been made into something beautiful maybe not beautiful but something that certainly had lasted so our objective and the way we've reformed our business was to to make things specifically to make it easy because if you give someone a big loose print you give it to them in a tube typically they roll it up and they probably slide it under the bed until they can find a frame there might be down at ikea which for some reason ikea has the weirdest shaped frames in the world and I think it's probably because they're just doing offcuts from everyone else. Some of that stuff is just cardboard. At any rate, the frames, which I don't think is bad. I mean, the thing is with a frame, it's going to get something out from under the bed and onto the wall. That's, the job so I'm not going to judge if you're doing that it's it's a great thing it's better if you choose a nice quality wood a nice quality frame and all that stuff and you do it all right because you want it to be there for generations but hell getting it out and on display is everything and this is one of Kate's absolute innovations was to just make it easy for everybody just so that when a photographer supplies something to their client that it's there ready to go ready to hang in fact she, the next thing she's working on is she wants to provide people with hanging systems you know guides to help them get things on the wall All right. You know, like if you sell them a group of prints, then give them a spacer system so that they can get them spaced beautifully on the wall. If I had the ability, I would... Go to everyone's place and hang it have, hang it for them. You know, fly in there and just do it because people then sit, lean them up against the wall and they don't do anything because they haven't got that next step done because you got to keep making it easy and easier. So if I was a photographer and if you're in the world of delivering prints to people's houses, I'd seriously think about helping them hang them as well as an add-on and charge the money. Take the risk because yes, you might have to repaint a wall one time, but you know, get the insurance for it or whatever and add it to your business. And, and I've always thought my dream is you've got this lovely, long, broad corridor in your house. You know those wonderful entrance halls some of these older Federation villas have? And the big ones feel like they're a cricket pitch wide and all that. And you walk down and it's just photographs. And there's a salon hang where there's different size prints and perhaps different frames. And they're all different shapes and sizes. And the wall is filled with them. And it's just like, there is my life and all my people, every time I travel in and out of the house, they go with me and they greet me as I come home. Now... That sounds like I'm a bit desperate for other people, but I think all of us have that desire to be a part of our tribe and those sorts of things so if i could then take that because i got a feeling that most people in the world want that and if i could give it to them all you know there's your business model if i was a professional photographer doing family photo shoots i would also be offering to take those old family photos digitize them and do extra stuff to add to the collection in new frames you know help them get that sort of a thing there's so many things you can do to help people solve these problems that i think so don't give them a job to do
0: it's about taking taking away the roadblocks yeah i I think that um, that yeah, a hanging guide is a great idea in spaces and things because it does get um, confusing. I I tried to um, design a gallery wall. For, for my front hallway, and uh, I just couldn't <laughs> I just couldn't decide on anything. I just it's been, I was doing in Photoshop trying to you know just lay it all out and work out sizes and images and stuff. But I did I did put some very big prints that you guys made for me up there in the end. It wasn't a gallery wall; it was just two giant. Well, uh, that's the other way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They take up the space. I Scanned a whole lot. of, I made like digital contact sheets. I don't know if you saw them go through the lab. But oh, they were yours. Yeah, oh,
1: no, no, they were for your house.
0: Yeah, but they're they're so they're all our family photos.
1: They were breathtaking. They, I, I pulled Kate over to have a look at them and she's like, far out. That's incredible. That's a really good idea. So you'd taken your film and scanned edging and all and then then mashed it up.
0: Yeah, I scanned not all but a lot of the film on a flatbed so I could get full strips of film rather than just the, the individual images. And then took all the bits that I sort of liked and just yeah mashed them all up in Photoshop, made these giant grids. The frames you know that you guys made and like you can just see it's just so it's so well put together and like I, i've been in the lab and seen you know the guys working on this stuff and they they do they take so much care in what they're doing the pictures that these things house like the photograph is so valuable in itself the people in it you know mean everything to you the picture of them is so valuable so it, it really is worth putting that amount of love that you have for them into the you know yeah. the, the product um I, I think about that too with albums you know it's like uh, it's such an amazing thing about an, a, a photo album if you think about it it houses all the pictures of you know everyone that you love with your family photo album but it's also going to be handled by those people as well i love the leather bound albums they really feel like you know it's like an antique or an heirloom or something they're so beautiful and you know i'm sure like the leather's gonna like absorb oil from everyone's skin
1: they're gonna age you know the pages everywhere you touch them i mean i hope they age gracefully i could say our framed prints i've got color prints from the 60s that we made i got black and white stuff from the 30s I know that stuff's all great. I worry. Albums we've made for about ten years, fifteen years, or something. I I worry about all the little fingers on them over the years and what they're going to look like. But then, you know, isn't it lovely when things take a bit of DNA on?
0: I think so. I, I and, think and they
1: age and they become yours.
0: I think you'd rather have that than a pristine album that doesn't look like it's ever been touched. It's been touched by the people who you love and that uh, in that album, um, and it yeah. can just keep getting passed on. I,
1: so, so hang on. I got two questions for you. Mm-hmm. First question is: Do you ever feel that you are, I don't know, being really authoritarian by putting your family's memories together and deciding what the good memories are and only showing things in the light that you want to show them in?
0: Possibly, but if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. Okay, that's a good answer. If I, if I, if I wasn't doing it, it just wouldn't happen. And I, I tried to get my wife to. Um, I was like, "We'll both have a camera." You know, some people just do it. I'm sure you're the same. It's like. There's probably lots oh, totally. of pictures of Kate and your daughters and none of you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, history is written by the victor, isn't it? Mm. This is stupid, but I worry about it because I know how warped my perspective of the world and life is. But if anyone who, who doesn't know our situation will look back on it, and it's like the whole thing's a sales pitch. The whole, the whole, how good our life is, sales pitch. And I suppose it's not that different from influencers' Instagram account in some ways. I mean, I tr- I actually very consciously don't pick the pretty pictures with them. Things, but I picked the ones that are maybe telling a bit more of a story, but you kind of need a degree in journalism to do that properly So that's my first question. My second question is do you ever think about who and when is going to be this stuff is going to be thrown out that we Treasure so much ourselves that we're making. Do you think about that?
0: I do a lot, you know I've got folders full of negatives. These will These will be in landfill one day The negatives. Hopefully not. Like I make an album every year. Hopefully those get hung on to. But yeah, I think about that a lot with stuff in my camera, everything that I have, which is why, you know, it gets back to that idea of our phones being chock full of photos and them being discarded. It's the same thing. It's like we're giving people jobs to do. We're not making it easy. It's not, here's the pile of family photos from this generation of a family that can just be passed on to the next person and put on the shelf in the next house here's here's an here's an iCloud login and there's (laughs) 150,000 photos yeah well
1: grandma what are you doing (laughs) yeah
0: you know I do think about that quite a lot probably because I'm getting older and my kids are starting to grow up yeah it does kind of it does kind of worry me so I I do hope that it all still has a home one day
1: it worries me a lot and I I think to myself because I know how I am and i know my grandfather really didn't give a damn about this stuff i think he think i think he think thought he did but he really didn't and he started the business but he wouldn't have thought that i would have been that interested in his stuff i think he would have been quite shocked if he could see how interested in i was so i think that maybe there's going to be a kid a grandkid uh, a nephew um, a niece or something who's going to go oh look at this And really, is that the case? I don't know. The thing is, the stuff that makes into our state libraries these days are, you know, great photographers or average photographers who did a lot of work covering general stuff that we don't get to see anymore because there's not enough photos of it. But everything everything is photographed these days we don't need that so much anymore so you know what's going to make it in there is going to be the great portrait photographers the great landscape photographers and the world's going to look all really distorted and there'll be a lot of there'll be great street photographer's work but everyone will think that there's no detail in the shadows back in the day you know because every great street photography quite often is heavy shadows and it's got lines and lights and that stuff but it's not about what the city was like i don't know i'm i'm in a muddle about it i can't think on the topic long enough to sort it out i don't can't hold my attention long enough i think that's for smarter people and um, maybe you should interview them in the podcast
0: it's a tricky one i think about that too just in terms of like how our era is defined in terms of its sort of look you know you think about the 60s and the 70s and you just think kodachrome you know like you see you see those colors and you know it's from that era. Like it just it has to be. You know, pictures from I don't know, the nineties, like the you know, the film at that time has a certain look. Everyone everyone's pictures sort of looked the same in terms of the colour range. But now is it just iPhone photos?
1: By the way, I'm so impressed by current iPhones.
0: Oh, I mean they're they are amazing.
1: The eleven Pro and the what well, they're just like mind-boggling. Yeah,
0: it's quite impressive how they've Apple has actually really made the first ever intelligent camera. You know, those cameras always come up with intelligent modes, and they don't really work, and you, no one can ever work out how to use them, and the flash goes off when you don't want it to, and it's like <laughs> Apple, all their engineers, they've just written all these algorithms, and it's like, it is actually impossible to take a bad photo on it. It just will always correct everything for you.
1: Yeah, that's because photographers didn't write it, I'm sure. It's users wrote it, or something like that. You, have you ever thought
0: about that with, like, in terms of you know, the lab? Because it's obviously goes back a very long way and it was at
1: 1936 right? yeah 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 that's when my grandfather started he that's when he incorporated it. he was working before then yes yeah, became a company in 36 so yeah. we kind of got it marked then so what was your question oh because
0: just in terms of the legacy of the lab and how that will kind of look and be shaped in the future
1: all i wish is that my kids do something else not that <laughs> right. it's a Not that because it's a bad business or it's a bad thing. Family businesses are too much on kids. I don't know how to do it without it. I think my dad suffered from it and I've suffered from it. And I could not imagine putting my kids through the same thing. And my dad tried really, really hard not to do what his dad did. That generational change is really, really hard. I know Kate and I get a lot of joy out of it. We've got a wonderful group of staff. We're trying desperately to employ younger people. Not that we have anything against old people, but two-thirds of our staff are our age which means that when we want to retire, they're getting close to wanting to retire too. So what's left of the lab? So our job is to bring a younger generation and get them involved in it. I'd really like to keep it going as long as reasonable, as long as there's young heads on the job um, thinking about it and people with fresh ideas and they're following the trends. And it's not photography trends anymore. It's fashion, it's interior design, it's style, it's all those things. We make the mistake of thinking photography is about photography it's not it is about feel and you know it's about how we want to look like we're living and how we want to live and what our homes look like. It's about nostalgia. There's a whole lot of really complicated things in there that we used to make the mistake of thinking it was about photography and I think most of the photographic industry thinks it's about being Ansel Adams or being Edward Wesson or Henri Cartier-Bresson. You know, we get wrapped up in that that stuff and it's not. It's not. And you've got to be really, really, really careful about that. So if there's young heads thinking about that, they're welcome to the business. So, you know, They're welcome to it and kate and i will just keep doing it as long as that we can keep a certain level of freshness but it's a great lifestyle because we every day we go down we get to see that nathan queso so I- images sitting i haven't seen anyone do that sort of thing for years that those contact giant contact sheets in fact you know funny enough the last time i saw it done was scott hicks and it was for an, exi- yeah, an exhibition that he had at a gallery here. And there was all sorts of really cool stuff in there. It's not just photography, but there was things like he had a pillow, a satin pillow that was signed by Mick Jagger. I don't know what that implies. <laughs> but it was a love heart and a sign by Mick Jagger. All sorts of ephemera as well as this bunch of excellent portraits, but also a series of these were maybe 8 by 10 each, each one of the, each negative, but they had the giant film edging and that kind of stuff. That was on one wall. It looked incredible because the nostalgia of showing that these were shot in a row and that these are different shots. There's something about film that translates that that this is this second, this is the next second, this is the next second, or the next five minutes or whatever. This the idea of progression and growth and time moving by. Every time we come down we see stuff like that, it's very inspirational. So we can't give up the drug just yet, and I don't think we're, we're sort of smashing, you know, destroying it yet. I must say I feel like I'm not on my game as to understanding where things at right now. I think I've just dropped it a little bit. And I don't know why I'm feeling like I'm taking a bit more of a backseat in a lot of that stuff. And But thankfully, Kate, who's always married to someone who's younger than you, she can see what's going on and has a better view on it. But she also spends a lot of time speaking to younger photographers and engaging with them. Because that's the thing. We're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for you, Nathan, and your clients. This is the one thing a lot of people assume or they might get to the point where they think they don't want your services. Every generation younger has been wanting these services and a lot of photographers make the mistake to think that they don't and they actually do. They just want something a bit different from what you've been doing. I'm not talking about you personally. As photographers age out of the industry, it's not that they're aging out. It's just that they can't connect with a buying audience anymore. Knowing your audience is, is everything and being... Being attuned to them. And that's what Kate's a really good radar for that. Whereas I'm a little bit like, I don't quite get it. But I spend my time trying to take what she wants and the ideas that she thinks and actually make them happen as a product because I've got certain making skills. She's got certain making skills. The 30 odd staff we've got, have all got different levels of making skills. So we sort of get it to a point where they can then produce that consistently. I get a lot of joy in all of that. My legacy, I don't know what it's going to look like and I don't care that much. I'm just going to enjoy this time while we're doing it and not think too much about what's going to happen afterwards. You can have it if you want, Nathan, too. You, know, you want to move to Adelaide?
0: Well, yeah, sure. I'll take the I'll take the dip and dunk machine anyway oh yeah
1: that's gorgeous isn't it but
0: I think you've just got to do it while you're enjoying it if you're not enjoying it even if it's making your money there's not a lot of point I've always found that with with any work I've been doing and I think you can definitely see that in the products that you guys make the care that gets taken I just feel like the whole lab represents you know you and Kate like you just two just genuinely lovely people and you you know you can hear it when you talk about photography how much it means to you not the business side of it just photography as a as part of life and I I feel the same way about it it's you know i just think it's one of the most important things in the world you know it's great that we have a a lab a lab like you guys in australia that you know that 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 can look after us um and and help us get our work out there in you know such a beautiful kind of format
1: are you too kind thank you thank you that's very touching i um I kind of needed that. I mean, last year when we were in lockdown, we thought we didn't have a business anymore because who's going to take wedding photos in a pandemic? Who can do family photo sessions in a pandemic? We really thought our business was over. And I know I said, I don't care where the business is going, but there's a weight on my shoulders that has the 85 odd years trying not to screw it up. You know, things can get screwed up really easily beyond your control. And it's felt this last year and a half that it is out of our control. But what I'm just saying is I felt anxiety because the business is being threatened. And to have someone say all that nice things to me, <laughs> you did it at the right time. Thank ah,
0: you. Well, you're welcome. I, I, rem- I remember the first time I met you guys up at a um, workshop in Mount Hotham. I just assumed that you guys would be these like it would be this huge business you could just be like too big for your boots or something you know because I was like the, the quality of work is just so good and then to find out it was just you and Kate and that you know Kate's dying the ribbon in, in the sink and you're in there still developing the film And you know if
1: we couldn't do a bit of this stuff ourselves I don't really want to be a part of the business you got to have the fun of getting your hands dirty on it I think
0: well I think that's a pretty good place to wrap up there Paul thanks so much for making the, the time to, to have a chat I've been to the lab I've seen how busy you two are all
1: day so thanks very much a pleasure Nathan thanks